come together as God's people. Please stand and join us as we sing his praises together.
pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come and worship you corporately today, and these songs are about us as a 
company of believers as well as individuals. Thank you that we're in your kingdom. You're our king. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. And that we're your people walking along in discipleship, in oneness with you, growing as Christians. So may this day be a great day for us to worship together and learn together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So greet one another. I see a few uh, extra fathers and kids here. Happy Father's Day and uh, some of these older children with lots of grandchildren. Greet each other. forward as we give back to God through our tithes and offerings.
come to a time of prayer. We just want to, once in a while, report. I know in the bulletin and each week we pray through a long list of people. And we've been trying as pastors to reach out and get some updates, especially from those who are far away. And we've prayed for a long time for Cheryl O'Brien. Some of you knew the O'Briens. They were residents here and they are missionaries uh, with SIM Mission. And we wrote to her and got a wonderful full-page reply of how God miraculously worked on pancreatic cancer. And when the surgeons did their job, they said it just things kind of just fell out and the vascular surgeons and all the people standing by weren't even needed. So it was a very clear, clean surgery. And um, she is following up with, you know, further complications of uh, diabetes, but she's healed in a sense. And the doctor said, we didn't do this. God did this. And it's just great to know that we pray and God hears and answers our prayer. We know there's many more that still need answers to prayer and we want to go to prayer now together. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for letting us come in your name, inviting us. We worship and praise you for hearing our prayers and showing us your loving kindness demonstrated in the life and saving and healing work of Jesus. Thank you for providing the written word and revealing your gracious will for our lives in the Bible. Thank you for all your many blessings, family, especially today we think of our families, for friends, for church family, for protection on the road. We've heard reports of just your divine hand protecting some of our people. And we can't take this for granted. We want to lavish you with praise and thank you for every day of health and safety. Pray for all those listed in our bulletin and beyond, people not listed there, maybe people right here who face particular and daily physical struggles, and we lean on you for answers. We lift all to you, and in particular this day, we, we want to ask again for Dan Gurley and your help and strength and further tests this week and anticipated treatment in the future. Lord, we thank you that we have trust and can, can just lean on you in these times. We do ask for your presence for Pastor Wes and Cindy as they're away with his parents and other traveling. Pray today for Pastor John Cole and his son Luke as they're in Spain. They represent you and they're your witnesses in a Christian camp in that country and with many new people. Lord, bless them and protect them and make them great witnesses for you. There are others, Lord, right now from our congregation serving in short-term ministries. And uh, uh, Ben Hageman is in East Africa with a group of frontline workers working with the Muslim world. And he's training them with others. And we just pray that you'll give him great strength and wisdom with these travels and with these important courses and important lessons that they can learn. Think also of the Moors continuing in their work in Perm, Russia. We just pray for all the short-term ministries this summer, others that we've supported, and, of course, for all our missionaries and workers, both home and abroad. We lift them up to you. We think of our own WKFM next hour as the children wrap up their, their year of learning about missions, and we thank you for our workers, for our Sunday school workers, and all in our church. Thank you, Lord, for the churches around us, nearby and just down the road on Route 305, the, the Black Creek Church, Haven of Rest, and Pastor Lockwood. We pray that you would bless all the ministries that go on in this area and in our country and around the world. 
that people would see Christians who demonstrate the love of Christ and the truth of Christ and are reaching out to others. We pray for that. We pray for leaders and those in authority in our country and around the world and right here locally. Lord, our leaders need your guidance. There are so many needs in our world, refugees in Israel who are stranded, boatloads in Spain, an issue with our own borderlands. Lord, these are struggles that you know about. You know about the refugees right in Buffalo who are maybe a single mother and her kids and just desperate for your help. Many are hearing and reaching out to Jesus. Thank you for the reports that we hear. Thank you for Christians that show loving kindness to these people, all people who are homeless and in prison and struggling. And then as we minister to one another here in this church, we may be looking great on the outside but may be hurting. We thank you that we can minister to one another. Help us to do that in your name as to you. So we're yours, Lord. We represent you. We rely on your Holy Spirit to help and strengthen us. And we lift up these prayers in your name, the one who taught us the prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I invite all who are able to stand for the reading of the gospel. Starting in chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. In chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Children are now dismissed for Children's Church and Junior Church. There's no Junior Church.
seated. I probably blew the bulletin announcement about Junior Church, and I wonder, is this the right time to preach, Amanda? Am I at the right point? Okay, good. You know, all the people are gone, Pastor Wes and Cindy and John. I feel a little bit out of place, so put up with me. (laughs) Today's message is brought to you by the letter D. Does that sound familiar? Some of you are too young, I guess, for Sesame Street. D-Day. Twelve days ago, I was uh, on the 74th anniversary of D-Day. I sat for a few minutes on that Wednesday with Bob Cummings, former German professor, learning about the day he landed with his engineering company of Army engineers and trudged past some thousands already slain heroes on the beach. It's just amazing to sit and listen to this dear, dear man's story. Their mission was to free Europe from Nazi occupation. We owe a great debt to, to Bob and others like them and others even here in our congregation who served that great generation. Undeniably, it was the greatest D-Day. And I learned that D-Days was just an army term for, term for important days of invasion or projects, but... Uh, That was probably the greatest D-Day. That's a serious D. We could talk about the other kinds of D. Defense versus offense and winning Super Bowls or Stanley Cups or, I suppose, other kinds of sports. We could promote your most delicious food and ice cream, which some of us are mourning about these days. It's not quite there as often as we want it. Even a little more cerebral, we could uh, debate which is the greatest D major symphony. Do you have your favorite? It's Brahms' second, hands down, just so you can (laughs) just listen to it sometime. Well, the bulletin already gives you the idea of what, why this is important today. Because our theme today is discipleship. Discipleship. Actually, this is a major theme for Jesus and the Gospels and for Luke, the Gospel writer, as he continues into the book of Acts and describes the early church. 
I'll be looking at several of those passages and some others too. Just so you know, this was kind of an idea that was hatched by your pastors John and Laurie and Paul Shea uh, to break up the psalm thing, which I know we probably shouldn't have done, but uh, we're going to concentrate on discipleship. We're your ministers of children, youth, and adult discipleship, in case you didn't know. I'm a little bit afraid. I, I'm sitting, or sitting in front of me is the man who wrote the book on discipleship, <laughs> my brother Don Little, University Press, Making Disciples for Muslim Believers, Muslim Background Believers. I don't know if I have the title exactly right, Don. Wonderful book, and we've all been reading it as an assignment to get ready for our sermon. And it, it just takes you through the book of Luke and Acts and Philippians and some of these things. Well, we're familiar with disciples in, in all kinds of fields. A disciple is an avid student or follower of another person. Can you think of in philosophy, history, science, art, writing, music, even athletics and other fields? We have our favorite teachers, our favorite gurus, our coaches, our mentors, our heroes. We want to do it like they do. We see it in families and parenting, too. He's a chip off the old block. Like father, like son. Yes, it's Father's Day, and, and discipling happens whether we know it or not, doesn't it? We'll talk a little bit more about fathers in a minute, but I want to keep this quite basic. Quite simple, but there are a few things we want to just cover quickly. The basic word for discipleship, mathetes, in the New Testament is exactly what we think. It's a student, a learner, a follower. Someone who adheres completely to the lifestyle and teachings of another. Now, there are more than just Jesus' disciples in the Gospels. Matthew mentions that John had his disciples, and they showed up to ask questions. But mostly in the Gospels, the term refers, of course, to the inner circle of 12 disciples. And some of us think that's it. That's the disciples. But they were later named apostles, and there are other disciples mentioned in the Gospels. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, such and such. And Lori's going to talk about that. And Luke mentions, especially on the Palm Sunday, that there were a whole crowd of disciples as Jesus entered Jerusalem. So disciples was referring to all those who were following Jesus. In Acts, disciple emerges as the name for the followers of Jesus. The number of disciples were increasing. One, they won over a large number of disciples. They continued to strengthen the disciples. So it's more than just the twelve. They stayed a long time with the disciples in Acts chapter 14. It wasn't until Acts chapter 11 that the disciples were first called Christians, kind of the term we use for ourselves, Christians. The earliest followers of Jesus were disciples. But John Stott, in his little book, I've mentioned it before, The Radical Disciple, notes that the word Christian maybe is now construed to be less demanding. So genuine discipleship, he says, is only wholehearted discipleship. And we sometimes then shift and say, well, I'll be a Christian, but I don't know about this discipleship thing. You'd think there'd be no debate on this, but sadly, somehow people have imagined that you can be a Christian, but leave the disciple stuff to the major leaguers, to the elite forces, to the missionaries. You know. Newsflash, disciples are us. 
right up front, I do want to get a little heavy here for a moment and prove that a Wesleyan reads these verses in the Bible. John Stott also in his little books says some important theological thoughts about what Jesus is trying to do with us, what God is trying to do with us. Look at Romans 8.29. God predestined his people to be conformed to his image. I know it's too small to read, but it's there to prove that I'm looking at the text. God predestined his people to be conformed to the image of his Son. That is why he chose us. It's his eternal purpose for us to be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory. Are be, who on, with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory are being changed or transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. It was his eternal plan and it's his current work with us to be like Jesus. And then one of my favorite verses in 1 John 3 too. Dear friends, now we are children of God, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's our future hope and destiny, to be like Jesus. So this discipleship pro- uh, project is exactly what God is trying to do. Do we dare to be called disciples, disciples of Jesus we've been singing about? I want to dig just a little deeper into a rather simple text to formulate what we can learn about discipleship today. And that's the Matthew chapter 4. And our texts were the very first calling of the disciples and the last commission to the disciples today that uh, we have heard read. So here's the first one. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus says, come. This is the call to discipleship. So Jesus spots these career fishermen, Simon and Andrew, and says, Come. They could easily have said, We're fishermen. We're busy now. Life is good. Give us a few more years. Later in the Gospels, you see other excuses. But the text says they dropped their nets and followed him. They heard the invitation and they came. I realize that this is Jesus choosing his inner circle at first. These are the first select few. But a few chapter later, Jesus makes this sweeping invitation in Matthew 11, another one of my favorites. You know it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn, disciple, learn of me. So Jesus invites us all. That includes you and me. Have you heard and responded to Jesus' call to discipleship? The Holy Spirit is the one who calls you. We don't initiate it. It's not our ingenuity, our cleverness, even our hunger. But it's his call. He tugs. He speaks in a variety of ways. In his word, through friends, through models in front of us, role models, even through dreams. He makes us hungry for, for him. You could say, I, well, I don't, I don't qualify. I'm too young. I'm glad the junior church is here in spite of my mistake. You're a disciple. He invites you. I'm not interested, you might say. I'm too busy now. It may be for others. I'm too young, too old, or too sinful, too far gone. Well, this I know in the Bible. That's not true. God embraces everyone. God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes 
shall not perish but have everlasting life. Or in another passage in Timothy, God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Or in Peter, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance like they did on the day of Pentecost. That's what the Bible says, and so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to quote my favorite old Sierra Leone pastor, Pa Bai Bangura, a friend of Gus's for sure. One of my first sermons, I was there in Sierra Leone learning Creole, and he stood at the pulpit when he said something kind of tough, and he said, Not to me talk em all, not God talk em. Not to me talk em, but God talk em. That's good Creole, and you know what it says. I didn't say this. God said this. You're all invited. What a privilege. What an honor. The creator of the universe. We've been singing about the savior of the world. Christ who went to the cross. He invites us to join his band. To enroll in his school. To walk beside him. He invites you to be a learner and his disciple. So when we come, what are we called to? Simple outline. I think you're one ahead of me. The next one is follow me. The journey to commitment. To discipleship. There we go. It's about following Jesus. Becoming more and more like him. Which we've already talked about. And follow him those people did. Those Peters and Andrews and Johns. And a host of other men and women who followed Jesus for three years from village to village, around the lake, down the Jordan Valley, into the dizzying city of Jerusalem. They listened, they learned, they watched, they changed. They saw his compassion. They witnessed his miracles and his healing. They watched him pray. They hung on his words, radical words, about things like the forgiving your enemies, the kingdom of God, being born again, loving your neighbor, serving and suffering. That's the school they were in. I hope we're paying attention to that Jesus. Tending this school of Jesus, they stumbled and failed at times and stretched and grew and longed to be like him. They awaited the day when with, his coming, with the coming of his spirit, they would be springing into action to disciple others. So now I do have that slide of kind of a definition of discipleship. One, disciple, one writer, Michael Wilkins of Fuller Seminary, says, Discipleship means the beginning of a new life. That's not the one there. It's fine. In intimate fellowship with the living Master and Savior, true disciples know Jesus so well and follow Him so closely that they become like Him. And so I've paraphrased. Now you've got the great Paul Shade version of discipleship. Looking at all the books and all the Bible. No. But this is a good one, I think. Discipleship is taking the life and teachings of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit in us and in community with others, living like him. Or you could say growing like him. What a joy and a delight to cooperate, to make it our goal to be his disciples. And so that's exactly what happens then at the end of uh, when Jesus goes and gives the great commission we're coming to. But in the book of Acts... This same Peter, that first fisherman, stands up and preaches in Acts chapter 2. And when his spirit-filled sermon was over, thousands of people responded to this lakeside fisherman and were baptized. 
and stepped into discipleship by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, we see the early church, and what do they do? We have a model of what it means to be disciples. Just a few verses in chapter 2, verse 42, and skipping along through them, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. All believers were together and had everything in common. They gave to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. That's not too complicated. I think some of you with your swimming parties in your backyard are doing discipleship. I think when you have a good meal together, you're doing discipleship. We see a lot of discipleship. It's being committed to the words of Jesus and the teaching of the word. It's being committed to community worship today, every Sunday. Fellowship, sharing the Lord's Supper together, which we do monthly at least. Committed to prayer. We have a number of prayer meetings. Committed to caring for each other. We do. Committed to joyful life together. Corporate worship isn't all it is to be a Christian or a disciple. And even personal devotion and meditation, there's more to it than that to be a disciple. Yes, both of those, vital. But I think somewhere in the, between the sandwiches of intimate personal fellowship with Jesus and corporate worship with Jesus is this great big subway of discipleship, which is us together. John Wesley had to develop class meetings and they're pretty brutal if you look through the list of things they asked each other and did for, with each other on a weekly basis. And you didn't leave there till your sins were confessed and you were walking in the light. Small groups, discipleship. I've counted not the, all the formal ones that are listed, but at least 30 small groups that are going on in our church. And there are probably many more. Adult Sunday school classes, regular Sunday small groups in midweek. Bible studies that are going on, women's, men's, prayer circles, the youth breakfast, let alone fellowships of moms and guys together and friends and accountability groups, one-on-one, -on -one, group of men meeting together. This is discipleship. Walking with Jesus is not so much taught, and our Wesleyan church yesterday, we were at our district conference, and it was all about discipleship, coming from the top down. Wonderful. It's good. There are a lot of books on how to do, you know, use these for your discipleship group and go through a list. I learned in seminary and back in my day, Leroy Imes and, and others, you know, you got to cover this 25 things to be a disciple. That's good. But Jesus didn't hand out a list to his disciples. He walked with them. He talked with them. He lived with them. And they caught it. They caught it. I'm not knocking the other things. Ask me, I'll, I'll give you some good books. But it's by living together in the Word and in prayer and in fellowship, in accountability, that we become and work on discipleship. Have you found a place for discipleship? I would like those of you who have groups and know of somebody, you just may say, well, I don't know if anybody's caring about them. Invite people to your discipleship group or your fellowship and if you aren't finding one, ask some of us. Ask the staff. Ask me. Find a way to be with God's people in discipleship. Make a commitment to seriously follow Jesus.
Can you think of those who, who've discipled you? I went all the way back to my childhood and, and to high school and then college. It's a variety of people, a variety of people, but I can, I can name specific ones. But since this, today's Father's Day, I just want to tell you, tell you a little bit about osmosis or the way you, you catch Christ-likeness from other people. When we were in seminary, uh, that whole period, and then five years pastoring a church, my parents had gone late in life to Africa, to Sierra Leone, to be missionaries, 1970 to 1978. And they were new to missionaries. They had, they had not been on the mission field. And they were new to Africa. And I'm going to let a little dark secret out of the bag. Missionaries are people, too, who are human and often can see things in other cultures that are strange. And they see the way people do things, and strange. And they go into land in situations where there may be conflicts. There may be a politician in their local area who's a, even a wicked man, and he's doing bad things. And there's certainly a missionary who has one view of discipleship, and you have your view of discipleship, or one view of missionary schools, and their view of planting churches. And there's all this... Mix up, and so in come the newcomers out in the Aileen Shea. And we're, some of you don't know about these things, but we're back home receiving blue air form letters from my parents weekly. I know some of you don't know what an air form is. We didn't have internet back then, okay, and so we had to get letters about two weeks later. For a good five years, six years, up to eight years, seven years. We didn't hear one negative word about Africans, Africa, missionaries, colleagues, politicians, chiefs, big men, little men. All we heard is these people are beautiful. This place is marvelous. These people work hard. They're our colleagues. That guy, the Lord's working on his heart. All positive. I saw Jesus. And my parents, I wish I could say I caught it completely. <laughs> I know, I know. I've said things about some of you. But uh, <laughs> being like Christ, being like Christ is taught, uh, caught. And my dear parents, I know we can't say this. It's probably not perfect. But our issues of racism today... I didn't see an ounce of racism in them. Yes, and it's a temptation when you go to a different culture to say we're superior, we do it better. Every person in God's kingdom was a prince and a queen and a king to my parents. And you loved them. And you honored them. And you talked nice about them. And I tell you, it made an impression on me I'll never forget. That's discipleship. You are a model. Others in your lives have been models to you of Christ. And that's what we need to work on. So this leads to the last part of Jesus' invitation. Maybe I got those slides mixed up. I'll go fix it up between services. And the 11 o'clock service, this is going to be perfect. The next thing Jesus says is fish for people. The task, the commission of discipleship, the work of discipleship is not just to get it for you, but to pass it on to others. Invite others into our lives. Usually, um, this is considered uh, Matthew chapter 8, 
this sandwich from calling the disciple to commissioning disciples is a missionary text for far away, but it's for right here. We should read it together. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. I've got it here somewhere so I can read it for you too. It's too fine print there. There's the authority. There's the work of the Holy Spirit. Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You're a disciple. Now make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught. And sure, I'm with you always. I just want to impress on us that this work of disciple-making is for us right here and right now. It kind of overlaps with with the illustration of my father, but I especially, of course, have a burden for our adults amongst us and our college adults, our college students, the newcomers to our community, the strangers, the people who walk in, who come in, who move in. Have a heart to be like Christ for them. Some people say, especially you hear about athletes, I don't want to be a role model. It's too important. Well, you are a role model. Fathers, you're a role model. Mothers, you're a role model. Disciples don't have a choice. People are watching. So the illustration I want to give, not to embarrass Gus, but you know, over the last 20 years, I've taught a lot of mission students at Houghton College, and they're around the world. And I've seen students from the Middle East, from Africa, from Eastern Europe, some of these places. And when they come back to Houghton, they make a beeline to the Princell House. They all know Gus and Louise. Because those people care about them and pray for them and invite them in. And I can name dozens. They don't want to see me. I was their teacher. I gave them that A grade that everybody gets in my class. But they want to go see the person who cared about them. That's discipleship. That's making disciples of others. And I want you to adopt college students. Here they are for four years looking for us to show Christ to them and to teach them about the Lord. Thank you to each one of you who do that. You all do that. A lot of you do that. But let's do it some more. So Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Be a fisher of people. Imagine Jesus walking into your life today. D-Day for you is him calling you to follow him in discipleship and to join with the church locally and worldwide to make disciples of all people. You are the heroes this world needs, promising and pointing the way to everlasting life and living this life of Jesus in front of them, the one who died and gave himself for the whole world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for examples in our lives. Thank you for Jesus inviting us to be his disciples and help us as a church to grow even stronger in love with one another, care for one another, and discipling one another. Open our hearts to what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and join us as we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
Receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless.